Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 219 of the Spoiler Alert podcast, brought to you by MovieOutsiders.com. This is Mike. I'm here with Danny, and tonight we're going to be discussing the new comedic fantasy, Sorry to Bother You. Danny, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Other than my travel woes, I'm doing just fine. I'm a little tired right now. I might be a tad punchy on this episode. I might fall asleep in the middle of the episode. We'll see. Well, punchy we can deal with, and that might fit the film. You falling asleep, maybe not so much. Right. Before we get started, I wanted wanted to ask you right at the top of the episode, this movie stars uh, an actor named Lakeith Stanfield. Did you recognize him? Yes. I recognized him from Short Term 12. And then I looked him up and realized he was also in Get Out, and I do not recognize him from Get Out. Who was he in that movie? In Get Out, I think he was the gentleman that Daniel Kaluuya meets during the party. The one other black man at the yeah. party. Okay, all right. Now I remember him, but he looks totally different. He looks so, co- completely different. He does. Yeah. He does. I mean, it's interesting that you remembered him because I, I didn't remember Short Term 12. So we, re- we reviewed that movie, Short Term 12, way back in episode 46. Then in episode 78, he was also in Straight Outta Compton. Then he was in Get Out, which we reviewed in episode 151. And then he was in the Netflix film War Machine, which we reviewed in episode 164. I don't remember that. This guy might be the most reviewed <laughs> actor we've ever... Like, he's been in more movies than just about anybody else we've ever talked about. And I just found that fascinating. As that's I was going fantastic. Through, like, wow. That's, yeah, what an eclectic That's great. Yeah, resume. I, re- I remembered him immediately from Short Turn 12, but I think he looked most like, like, I guess now that you say it, I don't even remember him from War Machine. War Machine was really forgettable. Yeah, we'll all be right. forgiven for just moving past that one. Right, right. Okay, well, no, that's great. I thought for certain you wanted to start out and talk about the latest MoviePass story. By the time we publish this episode, MoviePass will either be completely bankrupt and out of business or we'll all work for them. Right. Because their business model changes day to day these days. So let's not even bother trying to keep up with that. I just bought a ton of their stock today. So I'm (laughs) – you buy when it's low, right? Buy low, sell high. It is low. It was up almost 50% today. Oh. It was up from $0.07 cents to like $0.10. Cents. <laughs> now so that, we, that would be a invest, bad time to Investors buy. feel a little bit better about limiting it to three movies a month as opposed to uh, as many as you want. All right. Fair anyway, enough. Anyway. Well, let, let me, let's <laughs> let's start off. Uh, sorry to bother you here with, with a, a plot recap. I'll try to keep it really high, high level. This is a film written and directed by Boots Riley. And the movie stars... Uh, like Keith Stanfield is a, a character named Cassius Green who lives in Oakland, California. And Cassius takes a telemarketing job in sales. While he's working to sort of gain his ground and, and earn some of his commission in the telemarketing role, he discovers he has a talent for sounding like a white person on the phone. And his voice sounds like David Cross, the comedian. This allows him to have enormous success in his sales role. And he's promoted to being what's called a power caller, who is a telemarketer who closes huge deals, selling arms, slave labor, and just about anything awful that you can think of to uh, governments and wealthy uh, companies around the world. His friends back in the call center want to unionize, which he supports in name only, uh, as does his, uh, his artist girlfriend, Detroit. 
Cassius ditches his friends to enjoy being a power caller and the wealth that has afforded him until he learns that his his largest customer is an organization peddling slave labor and they offer him a new role with a fantastical and dangerous twist which puts Cassius in a bind. Will he sell out his fellow man out of greed for a huge payday or listen to his moral compass and speak truth to the world? And you've really got to see the movie to figure out what he does. And I don't know if we'll spoil the craziness of this movie by the end, but this movie is insane. (laughs) What did you think of Sorry to Bother You? I loved this movie. I loved everything about this movie. I can't imagine I'm going to see another movie this year that beats it as my favorite of the year. I think that it was the most enjoyable two hours I've had in the theater in a long time. I thought it was fantastic. How about you? Wow, that, I'm really glad to hear that. I didn't enjoy it. Well, so we're, we're already off to a great start. Yeah. Uh, let me just say, I, I, I loved the first 20 minutes. It felt very fresh. It felt very cool. It felt like um, the movie Brazil and the movie Infinity Baby had a kid and then that film was directed by Michelle Gondry. Okay. And I was like, I am I am going where you're taking me. This is great. And then I just felt A, the big conceit of his white voice just didn't work. I felt like they never put us in a position where we heard his regular voice kind of fail him and then he switched over to this fantastical other voice and somehow like that everything hinged on that and it just was done poorly, I thought. And then the movie just goes so far off the rails and into this overtly communist, anti-capitalist message that it just became about that message and everything else about the movie just either gets left in the dust or forgotten. So I I couldn't enjoy it. But the first 20 minutes, I thought this is so fresh, so original, so funky. And then it just see it's got lost, it's, I thought. It's really interesting to me to hear that you – you feel like everything else was getting lost under the heft of that heavy-handed message because while while the direction that we're going with the screenwriting here is pretty obvious, I don't feel like any of those bizarre little quirks did get lost. And I just kept finding more and more funny things that I kept jotting down on my paper that I was just loving about it. However, because it is so unlike anything that I ever saw, you tried to, to... mash up a few movies there sure. I, I I was doing the same thing throughout because it kept reminding me of other films I thought that it was sort of like Cabin in the Woods met Jerry Maguire meets Mulholland Drive meets being John Malkovich meets Get Out that, that was how I described it, it was a, a mashup of those movies thematically and maybe not even thematically but I thought that there were some really I know you were not a fan of Mulholland Drive, but I love all of David Lynch, and I thought that there were some really weird David Lynch clues that I kept trying to pay attention to in there. For one thing, uh, his girlfriend Detroit's earrings. They're always some sort of message and, and pointing something funny out in, in the movie, and they're huge and bonkers and ridiculous, and nobody should right. ever wear earrings this big that have a blatant like billboard message on them, but she did. And it, it always became sort of a plot point, the earrings that she were wearing. I thought that was sort of David David Lynch to me. Being John Malkovich, I kept getting like 
that sort of dark, depressing, dystopian vibe of that movie, anytime they were in the telemarketing office where he initially worked, it is the most right. soul-sucking environment you've ever seen in your entire life. Just cinder block walls, windowless. It, it, the manager, managers there are totally inept. It was... It, it That, to me, was very being John Malkovich. And I... I, I kept writing down movies and then the things that made me think of them from this one that I just thought was, sure. were, were wild. Yeah, I, I, the first you know, quarter of the movie, I was right there with you and, and there are probably a number of different mashups we could reference or just, just original, fresh films. I think every film we just name-dropped has a really interesting point of view, has a fresh, interesting take, and is written and or directed by a filmmaker who kind of threw the rule book out and went for it. And so for all of that, I really enjoyed that first quarter. And then it just, it just didn't connect with me. I I was so interested and I felt like it got really lazy. Things like when they go in the elevator to go up to the power collar floor and the elevator has a 200 digit code. (laughs) And the first time it was kind of funny and then it just felt like I don't understand is it – if it's supposed to be a joke, it's tired by the second time he's doing it. If it's supposed to be a comment on something, I'm not picking up on it. And I just – and there were other, there were just so many th- – like uh, there's a, a viral video of, of Cassius, the main character, getting hit in the head with a soda can. And it's like a five-second clip of a woman saying, you know, have, have a soda and she throws this thing and hits him in the head. And in the movie, this becomes like the biggest viral video of all time right. and people dress like him for Halloween and stuff. And I just thought that video is not very funny. That's like what your uncle would forward you as a viral video thinking it was awesome and you'd watch it for one second and think, dumb. You know, it, it's almost like it's almost like when uh, Aaron Sorkin tried to write like Saturday Night Live sketches on Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip I where saw it. Yeah. they just weren't funny. It's like it's like I'm supposed to like the central conceit here is that this is a really hilarious sketch, but it just sucks, and so I can't get behind anything else after it. And I felt like there were lots of those things in this movie where, if if you had gotten that part right, I'd go with you, but you didn't, and so I'm left thinking this is just dumb, and that's where I kept coming back to Infinity Baby. If you remember that one with Nick Offerman, which was just a really bizarre premise, and then kept. Sort of it started as one type of movie and then it became a different type of movie and then it became a relationship drama and then it became something else. And by the end, it was just sort of a big mess. It was weird the whole time and original, but kind of a mess. And that's how I felt like this one was. So I do think that there were there were some messy parts, but I think that all of the interesting sort of quirks to me were really fun, almost like the first time I saw Pulp Fiction, which was my first Quentin Tarantino exposure. Just some things that had me scratching my head. I couldn't tell if this was supposed to be a futuristic dystopia or if it was supposed to be retro, like taking place in maybe the mid-80s. The The dress is weird. The The vibe of the town is weird. It, like you mentioned Brazil. Yeah, kind of like that, but also kind of retro. Everything I read was it's an alternative universe current day Oakland, California. Okay. So it takes place now in sort of an alternate universe. Also, it was written during the Obama administration so it is not an anti-Trump film. Okay. 
but it is overtly communist. Boots Riley, the writer and director, is very upfront that that's what he's trying to make. It is a, an attack on capitalism and everything that goes along with that. So it has really nothing to do with Trump. So okay. anyone who watches it thinking, well, this is a response to Donald, that's – I mean Donald might like to think that just from his ego standpoint. But, sure, right. But, but it's, it really isn't. I, I'm sure um, he's seen it. It seems like his alley. Right, right, right up his alley. alley. I probably, probably – screened at the white house a couple of times i did think i did think maybe at the last second that they were going to flip it so the ending of course is just gonzo and then it has this i thought again a lazy twist ending but i did think that perhaps they were going to twist it one more time and the offer he gets made um by the evil corporation is that he side with the workers and be their sort of champion and they say like a martin luther king jr for these people and the last 20 percent of the movie that's sort of what he's doing he's trying to champion these people and fight for their rights and for their freedom and and bring awareness to their issues and i thought the very last minute we were going to see him get paid for having taken them up on it because essentially he was doing what they wanted and i thought okay this is going to be it uh and then it never happened because of course he he is moral and he is high money but he was actually doing what they wanted him to do right and it worked out in the corporation's favor right i mean he made a ton of money yes but again it was so stupid that of course that would happen you know it just the (laughs) i I just i just couldn't get behind i also thought the music was really really bad oh i I thought a lot of it was so oh i thought a lot of the acting was really bad I did say that the the rap sequence, I thought you should get this soundtrack and blast it in your neighborhood <laughs> out of all your windows. Or maybe I'll blast it when I come visit you and we'll see how well that sits with all your neighbors. So I'd be very curious. That's fantastic. Who do you think who do you think was bad in acting? I I liked most of the cast, including Army Hammer. The only person that I really enjoyed I other than Cash's Green, I thought he did a really good job. But I really liked his immediate supervisor in the call center, yeah. the guy with the face tattoo and neck tattoos. <laughs> he seemed like he, he just seemed like he was drunk all day, yeah. like at work. Yes. Or, or on something else, perhaps. Yes. I, yeah. I, I really Him loved... I liked. Those two I liked. Otherwise, I kind of couldn't get behind anybody else. I really loved... There was a scene where you know he's starting to... The lead character is starting to excel as a telemarketer using his white voice. And with the supervisor that you just referenced, there's like a five minute long montage of high fiving in the office. Yes. You know, and you can tell like it's a different day, and the co- the coworkers around him are starting to get kind of pissed. And as he's high fiving his boss, he's sometimes like bumping into them, <laughs> getting cranky, and I and it went on a little bit too long, which I thought long, was really brilliant. Was like yep. like the Family Guy when with the chicken fight, like it goes right. on way too long. I really liked that, and then I, I like the vintage feel of the movie too. Again, going back to some sort of Quentin Tarantino reference here, like I sort of felt like the scene transitions and the swipes and and clears and fade outs and in looked very nineteen nineteen seventies like low production value. So I thought that this all just had a very unique look to it that I could really appreciate. I agree it felt cheap. <laughs> That's what you're saying. I agree, uh, but I don't think in a cool way. And in fact, there were a couple Tarantino ripoffs right down to um, Cassius's supervisor up on the power collar floor, a guy who wears a bowler hat and an eye patch. 
whenever anyone says his name, it's bleeped out. Just like just like Beatrix Kiddo from Kill Bill. So it felt like a total ripoff of Tarantino. And at least in Tarantino, her name is bleeped out for two reasons. One, it is because she is the bride in the first movie. And she is nameless as the bride. And that's creepier and scarier and cooler. And in the second, we find out that we did know her name all along and that Bill has been using it. And so it is more of a reveal. This one, they just bleep it out for no reason and I just felt like you're just ripping off Tarantino at this point. Why Why don't we get to know his name? It just felt like a stupid affectation that I was annoyed with. I'm a little embarrassed to say that I liked that and couldn't figure out where I'd seen that before. So I guess the, the Tarantino was running running through the veins of this one a little thicker there, than I realized. There was also – like the, one of the reasons I felt like it was the Brazil is there's this TV show that the biggest TV show in the world – is I got the kicked out of me, which is somebody just getting punched or beaten up and humiliated on TV. And it felt like something that would either be on in the background in Brazil or like from RoboCop. Sure. Do you remember that one? There's always yeah. the guy who's like, I'd buy that for a dollar. Just really low rent, like lowest yeah. common denominator television. Yes. But this one, again, it amps it to 90 on a scale of 1 to 10. And it's just so stupid that you, you, I couldn't understand why anyone would like that. The stupid one from RoboCop, at least you understand, you know, why the people of that time would like that. This one just felt like a punch in all our faces for no reason. I know, I, it felt like it was trying to be witty and cool and highbrow and better than us, and I just felt like you failed. It's just dumb. Fair enough. I did not. I did not. I couldn't get behind it. I'm so psyched you liked it, and clearly it's got a great critical response. People love this movie. Is that I just true? Was not I've, one of them. I've, yeah. I've, I saw this a week yeah. ago now, and it had been out for a couple of weeks here in Dallas, and the show times were pretty limited by the day I saw it. So I was I was actually getting nervous that I might not be able to see it, and made sure that I got an emergency ticket last week. But it's been about a week now, and in the interim, I've been on vacation. So I have not read a review of this movie. I have not seen Rotten Tomato scores on this movie. I had no idea how it was doing, but I really did enjoy it. I think I think that some of your criticism is very valid. I, I really you loved, had a good time. I, I, mean, I yeah, had a I mean, great time. There's <laughs> there's a scene uh, where Detroit, who's an artist, his, his lead mm-hmm. character's girlfriend, and she's giving like a big exhibition of her art. And part of it, like the, the second act of this exhibition becomes performance art, where she comes out in a ridiculous looking bikini and allows the audience members, the patrons of her gallery, to throw cell phone parts at her, as well as water balloons filled with sheep's blood. Um, it, I'm certain making some sort of statement about exploitation of workers in Africa, which is kind of the theme of the show, right? But... <laughs> But the lead character's buddy, who's kind of got the hots for Detroit, sticks around after the show when Detroit bails to go, you know, work an extra shift or whatever. And uh, he's clearly got the hots for her and starts making out with her. And she has not showered after this performance. And I just cannot imagine making out with somebody drenched in sheep's blood. That that does not sound at all appealing, even though she was a very attractive woman. She was. She played by Tessa Thompson, who is very lovely and was great in Thor Ragnarok last year. Yes. Which I thought trumped this movie for gonzo weirdness and was much funnier and almost 
more original while at the same time clinging to a very definitive formula in the Marvel Universe. Sure, sure. So this one, I just, I loved that sequence of the performance art, mainly because I thought it was, like, the the balloons of blood were funny, but seeing her get, like, pelted in the face with a cell phone... (laughs) Like, looked very painful, and, like, what a stupid thing to let people throw at you. Like, it was just poorly thought out by the by the artist. Right, right. But it also was just, I felt, like, weird to be weird, and she was super weird to be super weird. And, yeah. and then after that same sequence, when you're talking about uh, his buddy who kind of makes the move on Detroit, it felt really hard for me to go from this gonzo, fantastic, meta-commentary on capitalism to... Am I supposed to care that Detroit is about to sleep with this guy? And it's like a relationship drama because I don't care. And oh, see, I, I did. And, and no, I just felt like – but then she tells Cassius and he didn't care and she didn't care. So we weren't really supposed to care and I don't care because this movie's not good. <laughs> fair, fair enough. I do love that her side job – you know, her passion is art. But her side job is that she twirls a sign – outside of a sign store advertising their signs. I thought that that was funny. That to me is like Brazil, here's a receipt for your receipt. It, I, See, but, but Brazil has done well. This one wasn't. Plus, I sat through the trailer for the new Kevin Hart comedy Night School in which his character twirls a sign uh, for a living right outside a silly establishment. And I thought, we just got this joke in the trailer for the movie before this one. Like... This one's trying to have more of a meta commentary to it, but it's the same stupid joke. Fair enough. Fair so I, I just couldn't, I just couldn't get into it. It just, just failed. And we haven't even touched on the big twist. Should we touch on it? I, I don't know. Now, now I'm kind of nervous because that, that's a big plot point that I feel like we should, should we try to not spoil that? Okay. Listeners, if any of you are brave enough to try this movie, I'd be highly curious to think what you think of the big weird plot twist in the last third of the movie. Because they completely lost me at this point. And you have to know that I like movies that are very strange. But this one, I just thought, executed it so poorly, I just it just got dumb. But how awesome was the power collar floor? So when he's working in the call center, it's like, packed in these little side-by-side desks it's not even a cube you get like 18 inches of desk space you're in a row low ceilings and when he gets up to the power collar floor it's all like open concept like they all just use tablets and little headset phones and they're on like glass office or or they just like they're sitting around on like wooden benches that are they're like ergonomic and like free form and it's just all open environment. It's just yeah, so funny yeah. that the, the work environment itself was so different. So I really, I got a chuckle out of that. Although I hate to tell you, I do believe there's a scene in infinity baby with a very similar office setup. Yeah, you're right. Boy, somebody saw infinity baby and thought I'm going to steal that idea over and over and over and over. What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with Cassius's walk? He's got this very weird bent kinda over. Kind of hunched over, yeah. Hunch? What's yeah. up with that? Yeah, yeah, I know that's not an issue with the actor because we've seen him in several other movies. Almost dozens, apparently. 
I also, this has nothing to do with the movie, but one of the production houses that supported this film is called Annapurna Pictures. Yeah. And I hate their logo. What, what is that one? It looks like it's a VHS tape with like bad tracking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like fuzzy. It just gets under my skin. I used to work at a video store and just seeing that kind of scratchy <laughs> image, just like all my cells just rebel at that. Like, like oh no, someone has rented Batman and Robin for the 9,000th time <laughs> and this tape is about to die and I'll have you to just... process or an exchange and it's going to be a whole thing. <laughs> You imagine oh watching watching that logo on like a a ceiling wall mounted TV in the corner a of the four room. by three yeah. four hundred and twenty i yeah yeah just terrible <laughs> right and right. that's that's as good as it got back then and, and and we've evolved and I think I'm I'm happy about this I mean I'm happier in a world of four K and then to see that logo it's just like sticking my snout back in it and <laughs> I just don't like that do you remember in college we used to try to watch your letterbox edition of vertigo on my tiny little tv in my room that like <laughs> should nobody should ever watch a letterbox movie on that like you, you had to like sit up a foot away from the tv to see anything and i'd get all pissed off at anyone who said anything about it because i'd be like this is how it's supposed to be this is how alfred hitchcock designed it this is <laughs> this is the whole movie and people be like well but i can't see anything and they'd be like Get a bigger TV. That's I not the movie's fault. I can't watch it from my bed. Like, I, I need to be up real close. Yeah. But, but are you ready for five questions? Yeah, let's do this. Let's, right. let's do it. All right. Five listeners have been questions for Sorry to Bother You. Question number one. Most of the crazy riot scenes were shot in downtown Oakland. Surprised? Oh, yeah. Uh, no. Okay. Question number two, the film posits using white voice can advance the career of a telemarketer. What careers do you think one would benefit from using black voice? That's a terrifying question, and I won't be answering it. But again, I also won't answer it because I don't think this movie did a good enough job explaining how or why white voice made any difference to him. Since the whole point, Cassius seemed on the phone. He was comfortable and polite and people just hung up hung up on him in two seconds i don't believe that somehow david cross would have any more success also can we just talk about david cross being the white voice he's got like a terribly annoying yeah, voice that was a that was nasally. an interesting choice yeah yeah not a good choice i mean there are there are better voices like anthony than, hopkins like how about his voice right <laughs> There, there's a, a number of ways. Also, didn't it kill you that Detroit totally used a fake voice at her art show? When she was standing around showing her art to people, she was absolutely using a fake British accent. Oh, you're right. Yeah. And I thought, oh, he's going to blast her in the face for using it because she was getting all annoyed with his white voice. But he doesn't say anything about it, and I don't even know if he noticed. And I got instantly annoyed on his behalf that she's totally doing a fake voice in the art gallery show. Anyway, this movie is just not my cup of tea. That's a great point. All right, I, no, I, it was I, my cup of tea. It was just a bad cup of tea. I didn't like this one. I love movies like this. Moving fa- on. Question fair three. enough. All right, question number three. Question. I recently took your recommendation and watched Thor Ragnarok and loved it. Save me some time. Which of your last 218 reviewed movies should I check out next and which should I never see? Go. I think you have to see Cimarron. 1931's best picture and then listen to our right. episode that was a great 
fun watch. Uh, it's not a good movie, but it's hilarious. And what should you never see? Did we ever... We didn't review Justice League, did we? Uh, oh, no. Oh, no, no. Uh, never see Mother! <laughs> good one. Good one. You, uh, yeah. One from both camps. Lakeith Stanfield was great in this film and in Get Out. But have you watched him in Atlanta? Particularly the Teddy Perkins episode? How great was that? I've never seen that show. I have no frame of uh, reference here. Neither do I. Okay, so no. So, haven't seen it. <laughs> We're gonna have to Google that. I bet there's. I bet there's. We, I bet there's something there. We could do a hard stop and go watch all of Atlanta, and then come back and finish the episode. Well, we can't we start in the middle, it. so we'd have to do it all. Uh, all right, yeah. we'll just we'll do the push on through. Final question: A lot can be inferred about a person based solely on his voice. For instance, I know after listening to Spoiler Alert for years that Mike is an early 40s Caucasian man from Wisconsin, and Danny is a 6'11", 19-year-old effeminate Filipino man. How did you two decide to do a podcast together, given your distinct backgrounds? We met at a disco-themed car wash party, (laughs) and we were both trying to scrub somebody. The same person, yeah. The same person, right? right. Not each other, because Correct. that'd be weird. But right. we did. We both targeted the same person, and those those no, were I, the days. Those were crazy times. Good ear, listener. That, you got us. You got our numbers. That's great. <laughs> and that's five questions. Thanks, listeners. Thanks for the question. So I was totally blown away by this movie. I I wouldn't say that I was blown away with it in the sense like I was blown away by Manchester by the Sea. I just thought that this was different and a ton of fun and weird and not my cup of tea. But man, did I like it. See, I think that's really remarkable. This isn't your kind of it's movie, not. but you loved it. Yeah. It's right in my wheelhouse, and I couldn't get it all behind it. Yeah. So very bizarre sort of uh, threading that needle there for this one. Yeah. I'm, I'm, glad, you, I'm glad you liked it. I mean, I, I, I can understand f- why some people might enjoy parts of this film. <laughs> and, and with that. And high praise indeed. And with that, what we got coming up next? Coming up next, we're going to go more center of the lane and go check out the new Mission Impossible film, Fallout, starring Simon Pegg. Thanks for listening to the Spoiler Alert podcast. Please visit us online at movieoutsiders.com, where you can see what films we'll be discussing next, comment on our recent episodes, suggest movies to review or topics to discuss, or submit questions for the five questions segment of the podcast. Stop by and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash movieoutsiders, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at movieoutsiders. If you're a fan of the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast subscription service you use. We'll be back again next week with another episode, but until then, enjoy the movies.